It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Fraser Wilson, standing in for regular host Johnny McFarlane after what has been a monumental few days for Rangers supporters. Glad to say we're joined by Sunday Mail Chief Football Writer Scott McDermott and PA Sport legend Andy Newport to look back on a huge few days for the Ibrox Club. Guys, how are you doing? So that was Good a high pace for me, eh? And I was going to say, God, Andy's only on a couple of days and he's getting called a legend. I just, I just get chief football writer. <laughs> we're all legends, we're all legends. Well, speaking of legends, 55 has finally arrived, guys. Steven Gerrard's turned into Jurgen Klinsmann as he celebrates his first league title. Ten in a row is officially a busted flush. Let's be honest, the dust is not going to settle in this one for a while yet, but... After a dramatic few days, a dramatic season, a dramatic decade, Scotty, not to put too fine a point in it, where does this title lie in terms of Rangers' greatest ever victories? Well, it's right up there, Fraser, obviously. Um, anybody that knows the, the circumstances surrounding this title win, you know, the last decade the Rangers have been through, where they've come from, the most turbulent period in our history, without a doubt. You know, you think administration, liquidation, everything that went with that. So, um, given what's going on before, that this has to be right up there as one of, if not the uh, greatest title successes. And I think you're seeing that in the reaction, you no, know, among supporters, just what it means to them. Um, and I think that is important. You no, know, when when teams win titles, or clubs win titles. A lot of it is about the players and the manager, quite rightly, and you know, the club as a whole. But you know, if ever there was a title that was for supporters and for the fans, then this has to be it. Just purely because of what these, you know, what these punters have been through uh, in the last ten years. You no, know, that they, you know, they've been to hell and back. There's no, there's no two ways about it. So. Um, yeah, it means it means everything to them. It's monumental. Uh, it's the culmination of you no know, a brilliant decision three years ago to bring Steven Gerrard in as manager, take that risk, um, put faith in him. Uh, even a year ago, when uh, there was a few dissenting voices towards the manager to stick by him, uh, you no, know, they're now seeing or they've now seen the, the culmination of three years hard work for him his coaching staff and his players and you have to say it's been it's been worth it when you see the scenes uh, of the last week just what it means to everybody then um, as it's, it's right up there one, one of the greatest ever titles in the club's history Yeah it's certainly hard to argue with that we'll, we'll come on to Gerard soon enough but Andy you guys you, you, you were down you covered the, the trips to Brechin to Annan he's Sterling uh, when Rangers were forced to, to, to plumb the depths of Scottish football uh, nine years ago. What a journey it's been, Andy. I mean, did you go along with that? Do you reckon this is one of the, the greatest moments in the club's history? 
Yeah, I mean, I've heard a few fans over the last couple of weeks sort of talking about uh, the Graham Soonis uh, first league win. I think it was at 86, I think it was. Um, has been at that stage was probably the most important in the club's history, just given where it sort of the club had been. But I don't think there's any doubt that this year's surpasses that just in the sheer significance of what it means to the club. I mean, as you say, I mean. I can remember, you know, just some of the sort of lowlights in the sort of journey back, you know, whether it be sort of, you know, losing a Stirling Albion team that didn't even have a manager there because he was way getting married or, you know, <laughs> losing to Wraith Rovers at uh, the, the Petrofac final Easter Road. I mean, there was all manner of sort of humiliations and embarrassments sort of foisted upon the club just because of the situation they found themselves there was some mistakes made certainly in the rebuilding process but to think that in sort of sort of 10 short years I mean as long as as much as the I'm sure for the Rangers support they felt 10 agonising years but I mean to go from where the club was uh, back in 2012 to where it is now just seems incredible um, you know not only are, are Rangers champions of, of Scotland but you know they've got real realistic ambitions of, of doing you know some serious stuff in Europe now, and obviously getting back into the Champions League next year will be a big game. It just it just seems a, a remarkable you know set of progressions to get from where it was to where it is now. And you know I, th- I think certainly Stephen Gerrard and and Dave King and his board uh, previously deserve so much credit for sort of picking up the pieces of. Was a pretty shambolic situation to get it sort of knocked into shape and looking as you know dominant as they do now is just a, a huge, huge feat. You're, you're right. right. You're right. You're right. What you're saying, Andy, just because you no, know, ten years obviously does seem like a long time, and from where we've been, and you know, I was the same as you. I was at Peterhead for that first day, and all your when they're scrambling a two-each draw, and um, I was at still in Albion that day behind the dugout. Uh, Alan McCoy's dog out when they get beat 1-0 and you know, you're right their manager I mean that was arguably the, the, the real low light mm. you know, you know, when you're, they're still an Albion managers away getting get married they still managed to beat Rangers 1-0 I mean it, it, that's incredible but I think you're right to point out no it is 10 years but, but when you look at the actual change in the last 4 or 5 you no, know, because it doesn't seem that long ago that you know, Rangers were getting into Old Firm games and routinely losing 4-0, 5-0, 5-1. I mean, that was that was humiliating for them. And I think fans at that point, you know, they'd been through the kind of journey by then, they were back in the top flight. But no, it was arguably even worse at that point. You no, know, they were back there. But as I say, just getting routinely embarrassed by their no, by their rivals, it, it must. This must have seemed like a million miles away, and I suppose that no, that's where you really need to give credit to Gerard. No, of course there was mistakes like Kashinya and uh, no through that kind of period into the managers and stuff. But when you think of how far they've come in that short space of time, no, that's arguably the biggest the biggest compliment you could give them. That's a very good point, Scott. I mean, as you say, the journey might be 10 years long, but it's really the last three years, maybe five yeah. years, where it's really stepped up. I mean, the key figures here, I suppose you could say Dave King and Stephen Gerrard, and they kind of go hand in hand because one appointed the other. For you, what was the most important uh, appointment or moment in, in this the last five years? Well, listen, in terms of the club, it's obviously Dave King and, and Paul Murray and John Gilligan you know, uh, forcing regime change. I mean, ultimately, that's 
you know, that's what changed the kind of course of Rangers in terms of where they were where they were going. But you no, know, purely in a footballing level, it has to be the appointment of Steven Gerrard because um, no, they'd made a couple of appointments before that, and, and Mark Warburton and Pedro Cachinha. I think Warburton had uh, there was a lot of positives to the Warburton era, but ultimately, well, maybe he didn't quite have the you know that kind of mentality that was required, uh, that winning mentality that was required to be a Rangers manager. I think he instilled a a good style of play, and Rangers had, had an identity at that time as a team. But we you know, we're never going to take that going to take that final step. Obviously, Kashinia was a bold move but turned out to be an unmitigated disaster and probably actually set the club back a couple of years so it's really the, the appointment of Gerard is the is the pivotal moment because it was risky I mean it's okay we can sit here now and say it was an inspired decision and of course it was it was the right one but I think you know, if you're being honest everyone had their, their doubts you know, even people of a Rangers persuasion of course they knew about Gerard's profile and the character that, that he would bring and the personality but it was whether he, it was whether he could coach it was whether he could manage you know, having just come out of his playing career and then an under 18s role at, at Liverpool um, and I think it's also important to mention Mark Allen in this who was who was director of football because although we're saying Dave King appointed Gerard, I mean it was it was Mark Allen that first can identified him and you no know, had those kind of first meetings with Stephen Gerrard and you know, Rangers fans will have their views on Mark Allen. I had my own views on him at the time in terms of the job he was doing and uh, how well he was doing it. But you no, know, you can't take any credit away from him with the with Stephen Gerrard appointment. It's it's proved to be inspired. He was the guy that went out and got him and well, it's, it's proven to be a a kind of pivotal moment in Rangers Rangers history. I think I think that that's the thing with Rangers progress over the last few years. It has been gradual. It's been you know step by step. You know Mark Allen was somebody that they needed at that time, but I don't think there's any doubt that the way Ross Wilson is operating right now that it's another level above. And it's you know it was I think Gerard's been pains to to point out over the last few weeks that it's it was never going to be a case of instant success it's been that gradual process and you know, at, you know at all sort of levels of the club it's been getting people in to do a job for a certain period and then looking to see if they can improve in that and, that, and that's what seems to have happened certainly in the, in the last couple of you know last couple of years that you know even just I mean you look at the team I mean it's still largely speaking the same sort of group of players that came in when Gerard first came in but there's just been the odd tweak here or there bolstering the sort of depth of the squad as well when it's you know it's been a bit of a slow burn probably slower than a lot of the Rangers fans would have, would have hoped for they wanted that sort of when they, especially when they came back in in 2016 to hit the ground running but I think when you look in reflection that was always going to be quite unrealistic it had to be a, a gradual process but you know, at least they've made the forward steps and they've got there on the end. Yeah, the thing is, Andy, said that this the, week, Andy, that, that, that Gerard has delivered on time scale. Um, sorry, Scott, were you going to say something there? I, I was just going to say, I mean, that, that's the thing. Uh, well, for being honest, I think if there hadn't been that gradual progress, then the, no, that tangible progress that you, that you could actually see on the pitch, then there's a chance that Gerard wouldn't have been here this season because... We all know almost a year ago, uh, 
to, to the day, no, sitting at Tanadice when they lost that Scottish Cup tie, Gerard was at his lowest ebb and actually admitted to us, I think Andy was in the room as well, that yeah. you no, know, he would have to he was going to have to go away and consider his future. But I think that I think if there had been no tangible progression up to that point, there is a chance that he could have went. No, if he felt if he felt he wasn't getting anywhere, and certainly if the board felt he wasn't getting anywhere, then they might have had to look at replacing him after two years without a trophy. But I think Andy's right. No, that the, the the progress in Europe, the success they've had in Europe has been a major part in it because you could see with those European performances what Gerard was trying to do, and you could see a real progression in these players. And even although domestically, no, they weren't getting the entirely getting the results that they wanted. There was still Gerard had set up a system, he'd set up a style of play. You could see what they were trying to do. Of course, there were hiccups along the way, but. No, even after two years without a trophy, I think seeing that progression is, is why Gerard decided to, you know, to stay for that third season. It's why the board were keen for him to stay. And you know, what a decision it's been because, as I say, you're now seeing the culmination of that, that three years. But of course, they had to tweak it. They had to add to the squad again. You know, they had to strengthen it. No, I think tactically they've made you no know, small changes as well. All of that has come together eh, in this in this title success. And you, know, you have to say, you no, know, even though Celtic have obviously imploded eh, another side of the city, Rangers have won it pretty much at a, at a canter. I mean, one of the earliest earliest title wins I think in history. Fraser will correct me. Nineteen oh three, maybe. Yeah, nineteen oh two. I think it was. Um, so I mean, and it's funny because you no, know, me and Andy were probably on here a couple of months ago saying, uh, "Well, it's 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 probably over. It's no, yeah, the, the title's kind of in the bag, but you were going away." Still a wee bit reluctant because everything that Rangers had been through, you thought, God, if if he jumped the gun a bit too early, but in hindsight, you're looking back and thinking, I mean, where, where was the panic? Why were why were fans panicking because they've won it, they've won it so easily in the in the end up. And as I say, that's that's credit to Gerard and the, and the players. Well, again, one of the most impressive things for me is when you look at Rangers putting out their strongest eleven. If 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 there is such a thing, it's still the same group of players, pretty much that were there last season. So th- that goes to show the work Stephen Gerrard and his, his coaching team have put into this group of players to take them on to that next level, both mentally and on the park for me, because yeah. there seems to have been an attitude change there as well, whereas it has been well documented, the collapses they had the last two seasons. There's absolutely no hint of that this year, was there? They've been relentless. No, I mean, I, I was I was big on the mentality thing, uh, no, Many arguments with Johnny on here. He was he you no know, he was arguing more for the kind of football side and the tactical side. Where I just thought they had to go over that mental barrier. I thought there was a real psychological issue for Rangers not to get trophies won and go over the that that final hurdle when it came to cup ties and stuff. And for whatever reason, you no, know, this season's been totally different. They did come back after lockdown with this kind of new. Uh, no, this kind of new mindset and it was interesting listening to one of the kind of plethora of interviews over the last few days with Rangers players and, and coaching staff uh, listening to Jermaine Defoe and it was just the, the wee thing he mentioned about the, the players coming back after lockdown and everyone talking about the Michael Jordan documentary that you know, that we all watched and you know, it might sound daft but see just a wee thing like that 
know, watching that, being inspired by that, players talking about it. It might just made a wee difference, even if it's only one or two percent. Um, but certainly mentally, I think they've been much stronger this season, and that's obviously that's obviously shown in the pitch. Aye, Gerard has to take so much of the credit for that as a, as a kind of disciplinarian in that in that dressing room. It'd be great to be a fly in the wall to see exactly how he goes about his work. But, but speaking of Stephen Gerrard, he's made it pretty clear in the last few days, Andy, that he's, he's going nowhere, which I'm sure Rangers fans will be delighted and relieved to hear. Uh, another three years in his contract, which obviously ties in with Jurgen Klopp's three years at uh, Liverpool. Um, do, do you think that he deserves maybe a new contract to Rangers? Do you think they should be uh, looking to improve what he's on there? <laughs> Uh, he's certainly got a very good case for it. Um, whether or not you'll <laughs> now, <laughs> certainly the time we ask for. Uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Going chap in uh, Donald Park's uh, door, but whether or not um, that's the way he's thinking, I don't know. I mean, I, d- I do think there was be a sort of huge sigh of relief uh, yesterday when we saw those comments from um, from Jurgen Klopp and the, the Rangers fans saw that he said that he wasn't sort of really interested in uh, replacing Yuki Lowe at the, the the German national team after the Euros. Um, obviously, there was some reports last week saying that uh, I think it was the Mirror down south had said that um, obviously Liverpool were sort of had already started looking up towards what uh, Stephen Gerrard had been achieving this season and that if, uh, if, if I think there was suggestions there'd be some sort of attraction from, from uh, Jurgen Klopp to, to go back to the national team ahead of the World Cup Um Looks like that's not going to be the case. There's a massive sigh of relief, but I mean, you could what? I mean, there was some interesting comments from Dave King this week. Uh, we spoke to him uh, just before the title was confirmed, and he, he sort of made the point that he didn't think uh, Stephen Gerrard's a take a guy to break a contract that he, he signed up to 2024 on the understanding that if he won a league, part of the remit was not just to win the league, but to then defend it and to, to lead Rangers into the Champions League. So, um, you know, Dave King's a guy who sort of gave him that that last contract. Uh, I, th- I believe, I think he was still involved in the club at the time, might be wrong. Um, but certainly was a guy who brought him to the club in that sense. And so he'll know as, as, well, as well as anyone what Stephen Gerrard's intentions are. And I think Rangers fans can should be satisfied that the very least that he'll be here in the next season to lead them into the Champions League. I mean, um, I think that's a big, a big sort of uh, you know challenge that that Gerard will will be looking forward to. You know, he's pitted his wits in the Europa League. He's done well there, but I think you know, obviously, he's a guy who's got history in the competition. The Champions League is really where he sees himself, and the opportunity to take this Rangers team in there and see how they can do would be a you know something that's a, would probably really be enticing for him. Scott, I, I see if, uh, if I was to play devil's advocate here, so, sorry but in there. That's right. Um, Liverpool will stick with Klopp. I think we're all agreed on that. But see if it didn't work out for Mikel Arteta at Arsenal and they came calling for Steven Gerrard and then they'd have a decision to make. Where do you think, what do you think it would do? I'm not sure they would go to Arsenal right now, Fraser, if I'm honest. Um, I mean, Arsenal are a massive club. But you know, Stephen Gerrard has no real emotional attachment to Arsenal, clearly. Um, it's, it'd be a massive job. Arsenal are a Champions League club, ultimately. So, uh, of course, there would be a, you know, there would be an interest. Uh, I'm sure they would want to hear what they've got to say. But I think you know, my gut says that, uh, you know, following up for what Andy said, I think Gerrard wants a crack at the Champions League with Rangers. I think he's bought into this club and what it means and the supporters. Um 
we all know Liverpool is the dream job and I think that will happen one day I think everyone accepts that uh, it certainly won't be this summer I'm pretty sure of that uh, I thought Dave King's comments were were really interesting because I don't think Dave King would shout his mouth off at that and be so adamant about Gerard staying if he hadn't had those you no know, those very conversations with the with the manager and obviously it was music to the ears of the of the Rangers fans. Um, you think about I think last week before the title was won, Jamie Carragher did a a piece in one of the English papers as well yeah. talking about how Gerard was going to be. No, was hanging around to rain in Scotland for a for a while yet. No, those two are very close. You're not telling me they've not spoken to each other or exchanged messages or whatever. That tells me again that Gerard has has made his mind up to certainly hang around at Rangers um, for the next the next year or two. Obviously, it will depend on what happens with Liverpool and Klopp. I mean, there's, there's no doubt Klopp will get a chance to um, make up for this season. At the start of next, I'm sure there'll be new investment in, in Liverpool in terms of the, the squad and they'll they'll look to go again. The Liverpool fans adore Klopp. No, of course they love Gerard, but for what Klopp has given them, no, they they're more than willing to give give Klopp another another chance after this this season's kinda unusual blip. So it'll depend what happens after that, but certainly Rangers fans can be content now that no, Gerard will be going nowhere. This summer, I think there is a hunger from him to, no, just to get a chance to get a crack at the Champions League, but also as Andy says, just to, no, I don't, this team and this kind of staff won't want to be, no, known for being a kind of one season, one season wonder. I mean, the real, the real sign of true champions is that you go on and, no, you stack up the stack up the trophies as Celtic have done for the last. Well, for the last last nine years, I think Rangers will want will want some of that to themselves. They'll want to go and dominate. Uh, as I say, he's not won a domestic cup yet. That'll be kind of one of the things on his on his to do list. So it's a really good time for Rangers fans just now. Not just because of the of the title win, but knowing knowing how good Gerard is and knowing that they're going to have him for at least another year or two anyway. Aye, that's uh, I think Barry Ferguson was saying this week. Winning the league, winning the league's tough. Uh, retaining it is even tougher. Yeah, that, that's the challenge in front of Gerard and on the home front at least. Did you expect Andy? Do you, do you think they've laid the foundations now for a period of dominance? Do you, do you expect them to go and successfully defend that title next season? Yeah, on the basis that they're well placed at the minute, they seem to have you know everything in place ready. I mean, they've already got a couple of signings. Uh, well, um, they've got a signing lined up. Uh, from the lads from Bournemouth I'm not even going to attempt uh, the pronunciation <laughs> of them yet um, but obviously they brought in Scott Wright and um, Jack Simpson and Jai got them in early so they'll be adjusted ahead of the new season and just because Celtic at the minute it just seem like they're and I'm not going to write Celtic off this has been a, a terrible season for them uh, they've still got a lot of guys there that uh, know what it takes to win leagues Um but they're in, they're coming. They're going to have to start so far back from where Rangers are in terms of you know they've, they've got a new chief exec coming. We still don't know who the manager's going to be. Is there going to be a director of football? I mean, you're looking at that squad going. There's you know potentially 10, 15 players that may have to be shipped in and out. So yeah. I mean, I think when you look at that, I mean, it's kind of it's a, a sort of reverse scenario of what 
Rangers have been in the last few years. Rangers are now the ones with a steady, settled squad, and you think maybe only made one or two wee adjustments here or there just to strengthen. Undoubtedly, I think Rangers are the odds-on favourite for next year. Celtic will have to do an awful lot to get themselves in shape and, and in shape quickly because not only they get the the, the Champions League qualifiers early uh, that they'll need to get ready for but you know if, if they do not hit the ground running in terms of league and, and Rangers march on again then we've seen the, the, how difficult it is for a team chasing to maintain that if, if, they, if they're having difficulties in form and things like that so um, I I'd say it's a big summer for both clubs, but a, a much bigger summer for, for Celtic coming up. Namdi off a boar. Are we going with that? Well no, I'm probably miles yeah. out of that, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott, Dave King hinted in his interviews, I think, with PA and Andy this week that uh, they expect a summer of trading at Rangers. I mean, it does sound like they may well cash in on on a big name. Do you expect them to? I mean, could we be seeing an Alfredo Morelos moving on? Could be, Fraser. I mean, I think for definite, uh, one or two will go. Certainly, one of the one of the big hitters will go because, you know, as you rightly say, Rangers, you no, know, financially, it's okay, you no, know, winning this title and, uh, you no, know, everything is rosy in that regard. But they're still a business and they need they need money to come in, especially off the back of a, a COVID hit season. We know no supporters, no kind of revenue coming in. So, I mean, I think it's common knowledge that. No, Rangers will need to trade in the summer. Uh, I've already said on here. I think that the three that no, the three big ones will be Morelos, Barisic, and Kamara. Now, I'm not saying the three of those will go, but I think there will be there will be real interest in them. I think those are the three that Rangers will look at uh, as potentially you no know, being able to being able to replace and recoup a lot of money, given the money that they they spent on them. I mean, when you think. For the three of them combined, you're talking about two and a half million quid for the for the three of them, mm-hmm. um, which is is incredible. If you sold the three of them just now, what, what could you get combined? I mean, they're all in decent uh, decent contracts at Rangers. So th- those are the three. I think I've already said on here. Tavernier and Goldson fans are panicking a bit about them going into their last year of their deals. Obviously, it's the same kind of boat for McGregor and Davis, the Defoe, the experienced ones. I think those will look after themselves. I, I think Tavernier and Goldson will get signed up. I think no, those two are the are now the pillars or two of the pillars of that of that dressing room. No, they've now got a taste of success that they've been craving for a couple of years. I think they want more. Gerard knows how important those guys are to the the dressing room. Th- those are the ones I expect to get signed up in the in the next few months. But as I say, th- th- they've got three big hitters there, and you know, Morelos who's you know bang at it again. You no know, return to form domestically and in Europe. Um, there'll be definite interest in him Barisic and Kamara will go to the Euros in the summer and if they play well there'll be you know, there'll be huge uh, interest in them as well so um, but listen Rangers in a great position now as much as they, they won't want to lose any of their best players they're the champions now you know, they've got a squad that know exactly what they're doing in terms of style and system and shape you know, Gerard can tinker with it no, if one or two go, I'm sure Ross Wilson will have ready-made replacements, ready to come in. They'll have done their homework. Um, so they're, they're in a really good place. But of course, they're going to need to, they're going to, need to trade in the summer. After the season, it's been financially 
no, they need to recoup some of the some of the money, and I'm sure they'll do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the boys heading to the Euros there, Scott. Cause it's something that's been kind of in my mind. Uh, you can throw in Ryan Jack with Scotland and potentially John McLaughlin, who, who, by the way, one of the unsung heroes for me, John McLaughlin. Yeah. Uh, 11 games and 10 clean sheets. And the, the run of clean sheets to help start this season. Incredible. So uh, I certainly hope he's... Goalkeeper Union sticking by each other. Well, of course, he deserves it. 100% deserves it. And I hope we get to see more of them between now and the end of the season. But my, my point here is, is there now a chance that we could be seeing a Rangers call-up for the England squad for, for this Euros. I mean, why not? See the form of Ryan Kent in the last few weeks in particular. The threat running at defenders he's, um, and, and the power he's getting in his shots. I mean, I, I was kind of taken, taken aback by his goal at the weekend and then the other one that Jack Almick managed to, to kick over the bar. Do you think the likes of Ryan Kent, Conor Goldson will even come into um, Gareth Southgate's mind? Um, I, I, I took a bit of stick back in the early part of the season because it was me who asked uh, Gary McAllister that very question about Ryan Kent <laughs> All right. got a bit of online pillars for that um, Gary McAllister sort of <laughs> thought so I don't know if that was just him being <laughs> diplomatic though, but um, I think it's a long shot I mean England have got such sort of depths of quality especially in those sort of forward positions and, and centre back I think you know, when you look at guys previously that have played up here, they've been touted for England call-ups. It was generally in the back of what they've done in the Champions League. As much as you know, Ryan Kent's performing well up here and um, doing well in Europa League, I think to really sort of get guys down south to something sort of take notice, it has to be done in the Champions League. So um, perhaps no time for the Euros, but if they do something uh, in the Champions League next year, and then generally, I think if that was the case, then you would start getting clubs sniffing about them, and they would get whisked down south, and then. You know, I, you know, you know what England's like. I mean, they generally don't like to look too far beyond their own borders. Uh, they tend to look down at <laughs> uh, other leagues around the world. Aye, so, that's so I, th- I think, point. I think, generally speaking, I think if, it, if they were being realistic, they would have to be playing down there or doing well, ripping up serious trees in the in the Champions League for them yeah. to, to have a, a, even, a realistic stuff. Even with Jack Grealish, fantastic player as he is, but I mean, he's nowhere near the Champions League. Um, I'm not trying to compare the two players but but to them the the Premier League's everything to them Fraser in terms of Southgate and the English national team that's no Andy's right I mean if listen if James Tavernier was playing at Aston Villa or Ryan Kent was playing at Southampton no they'd probably be in the England squad if they were playing the way they are just now but because it's Scotland because it's um, because it's up the road because it's the Scottish Premiership they're just never going to get that kudos. It would take no special performances in the Champions League, or as Andy says, it would take them actually playing in England's top flight to get noticed, which no, is a kind of sad indictment because, no, like you say, I, I don't think... No, I think there is a, a, a claim. Certainly earlier in the season, I thought Tavernier, when, when England were having trouble with injuries at right back, no, I think at one stage... No, the likes of Trippi was out and I think Alexander-Arnold was injured and stuff and they, no, they were obviously looking at guys like Reese James and no, they've obviously got a depth of quality down there but I thought Tavernier did have a genuine claim 
at one point um, and obviously it didn't happen didn't get, didn't get close to happening in terms of Kent it's just the sheer competition when you think of the guys they've got and his position no no, no Jaden San- Sancho Raheem Sterling Marcus Rashford I mean it's just going to be so difficult for Ryan Kent well, certainly while he's in Scotland to, to force his way in I mean he's, listen he's, he's been outstanding domestically and in Europe for uh, for a good while now but um, no, as, as sad as it is, I don't think they'll ever get that. They'll ever get that recognition until until they're either down there or, or as Andy said, no, you would need to be Champions League group stages playing at the at the top of your game, even even just to get a look in for for Gareth Southgate. Aye, well, 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 one thing's for sure: they're heading in Europe as we speak. Almost, um, yeah, a trip to Prague potentially not what you're looking for when you're trying to come back down to earth after a weekend of partying but <laughs> <laughs> um, Slavia Prague I mean the, the tests just keep getting bigger and bigger as you'd expect um, the deeper you go into this competition uh, miles ahead in the Czech League uh, dumped Leicester out of this competition earlier on H- how, how big a test Andy is this one now for, for, for this squad uh, huge test, as you say, just given what they've, you know, the uh, late Rangers are unbeaten in their, their own league. Uh, obviously, beating Leicester 2 0 away as well, which was impressive. Um, I don't know if Rangers are anything like me. My old performances in the Gladio Colleges League, 10 a.m. kickoffs every Saturday morning, always burst hungover for a Friday night. <laughs> always get my best performances then, so who knows? But, um, you know, it's, it's a, I think what we've seen with Rangers is that their best performances are safe for Europe. Um, you just think Benfica. Porto, Legia, Warsaw, um, Feyenoord, uh, just you know, Rima sort of you know big performances that they've put in Villarreal uh, over the last three years in Europe, um, and it seems to get the best out of them. You know, Braga for getting that as well. So um, I don't think uh, they should have anything to fear in that sense. I think they've proven that they can be competitive. It's just whether or not they can sort of maintain those uh, levels again. Um, I think this was probably viewed as one of the more kinder draws that they could have got. I mean, I think everyone was hoping for the uh, Molda. I think that would have been the, the, the sort of prize draw that they could have got. But they, they obviously avoided some of the English big guns and likes AC Milan. So I think the hope is that if you can get through this and, you know, then you're then you're in with a sniff. I mean, um, we didn't get a chance to, to ask Stephen Gerrard this morning if he, uh, when we were at the press conference this morning if, he, if we felt that his team could win the Europa League. But... Um, I think I think they've got a you know you know when you're this close to the sort of the real sort of latter stages then you've got to have, have hopes that you, you know you can you know at the end of the day you look at back to Walter Smith's team and you know they sort of you know you know clawed their way through the sort of latter stages and got there you know once you once you're in the, if you can get yourself in the last day then you've got a, you've got a puncher's chance so I think that's what Rangers should be sort of hoping for if they can get through this round then then you're in with a sniff yeah. They certainly they keep improving round by round year by year don't they so you wouldn't put it by them I see he's resting Ryan Jack tomorrow night um, I see um, and hope that he'll be fit for the second leg which I'm no doubt he will be but Kemar Roof could come back into the equation do you see him going straight in Scott? Uh, I'm not sure if he'll go straight in just given he's obviously the injury problems that he's that he's had um, he obviously played in the last European game started away from home and, and had to come off with the I think it was a calf problem again so I mean I think Gerard will really want to wrap him in, in cotton wool and make sure he's 100% right before he gets thrown in especially at a game of that 
magnitude. Um, but I mean, just as Andy says, I, I, it's a golden chance for Rangers to get into the quarterfinals, which is you know, the proper business end of the of the tournament. Um, of course, it's a dangerous tie. Slavia are obviously a decent side, but I mean, I don't think anything Rangers need to be scared of, given the, the teams that they've beaten in the, the competition in the last the last couple of years. Um, I don't think. No, I watched chunks of the, the Leicester game. Slavia were good, but I mean Leicester were miles off it uh, that night. No, just weren't at it at all. I think Brendan Rodgers said that after the after the game, he'd made a few changes to his team and it didn't didn't work out for them. So, I mean, Rangers will need to be wary. But as I say, nothing. I don't think they'll be fearful going there. Um, I expect Slavia will try and play it the way they did the Leicester tie in terms of keeping it very tight at home. No, making sure, trying to make sure they don't concede against Rangers, and then they'll come to Ibrox and, and try and hit Rangers in the, the counter attack. That's pretty much what they did against Leicester, and it worked to a tee. But the way Rangers have played, especially away from home, no, they look so dangerous in this competition. No, especially with those those forward players. Um, so I think Rangers will score over them, and I think they might have to settle for a for a draw, no, like a one-one draw or something like that. But I mean, that would set it up. Uh, perfectly to, to come back to Ibrox. Obviously, they would love to you know set up a, a tie like that, knowing there was there was fifty thousand punters going to be behind them at, at home. That's not going to happen, so it makes it a far more level playing field. But I, I think they'll give themselves a real chance after the first leg on Thursday. And as Andy says, I mean, if you get the last eight, then anything can happen uh, in terms of the in terms of the draw and, and how far you might go. And given what Rangers have already achieved this season. With a title, it would be a no an unbelievable uh, success story if they were to go to the, the quarterfinals or even further. Of course, and, and they can now almost put all their eggs in the Europa League basket, can't they? I mean, who'd have thought yeah. that at the start of the season that this early in March um, they could fully focus in Europe because the Premiership had been put to bed. It's incredible, yeah. but that's got to be a benefit, isn't it? Well, it's the Europa League and the Scottish Cup now, isn't it? I mean, yeah. listen, I've got big games coming up in the league in terms it's going to be top six clubs. got two old firm games. I mean, I can't remember the last time a league, any league season was wrapped up with two old firm games still to play. <clears throat> no, there was there was always when a title was won early, there was always kind of one old firm game left to play. But no, we've now got two. But as much as Rangers obviously want to want to win them, they're not the priority you now. They, they they can really prioritise the Scottish Cup and the Europa League um, and try and get as far as they can in, in both competitions. And as you say, what a position that is for Gerard to be in. No, what what a luxury. Um, but they've earned it they've earned it by what they've done in the league this season Andy that brings us on to our final point uh, Scott mentioned the two old firm games there now the First Minister has threatened to blow the whistle in those there's a, a huge question mark hanging over them which is quite incredible obviously all hearts back to the, the scenes in George Square um, at the weekend there as the Rangers fans celebrated the, the title win um, do you really think the government could be serious in pulling the plug in these two games or, or do you think it's kind of posturing for, for the politicians uh, deflecting for, from other issues they're facing right now thanks very much for uh, giving me the, the tricky <laughs> <laughs> oh no they're coming to spot as well don't worry <laughs> no, this, this is the final bit Andy just to say but then that's us um, I'd be surprised I, th- I think lessons will undoubtedly be learned from what happened at the weekend I mean um 
I think Stephen Gerrard right to an extent he says of course you've got to understand what the Rangers support have been through it's been 10 years of basically taking a pacing from their, their bitterest rivals whether it be in their workplace or in social media or what just you know being at the stadium and seeing their team getting you know chased uh, a couple of really painful occasions for them so yeah, there's there's got to be a bit of understanding there, but obviously we didn't want to see the scenes that we saw. Um, I must say, I turned up at Ibrooks on Saturday about midday, so when most of the initial sort of gathering had sort of calmed down, I was amazed at just actually how little police were about, and I'm not entirely sure that a tweet or a video message with Stephen Gerrard would have made a single bit of difference to that. Um, I think this needed something more organised put in place. I think it needed a, a bigger police response in the day they could have shut off the front road outside Ibrooks. They could have police squad cars at the end of Edmondson Drive saying to punters, you're not getting in. All these sort of rumours were floating about for weeks online. I mean, I've been seeing fans talking about going to George Square, going to Ibrooks once the title was won for weeks. I'm just not sure why it wasn't acted upon. Um, I think this could have been avoided, and uh, yeah, perhaps the club could have, uh, you know, even if they had made an announcement, had Stephen Gerrard in a video saying go up the road. I'm not sure at the stage it was when punters are had had a drink and had been there for hours. If that they made the slightest bit of difference, I think what would have made a difference if there was a greater police presence outside the stadium and outside George Square before things reached the point they did. Uh, so I think undoubtedly lessons will be learned and ahead of the next Old Firm game I would hope that things would be put in place to ensure they don't escalate to the point they do. I think, you know, end of the day the Old Firm game is no longer get the significance it would perhaps was once looking like it would have. You know, it's no longer it's a dead rubber effectively, it's no longer a title decider, so um Let's just hope camera head prevail and everyone stays inside and obeys the rules. I think that's the, the, the clear message to send out. Yeah, but I, I get what you're saying there. I, I think Rangers could have sent something out when it, when the scenes began to, when we all started to see the scenes outside Ibrox and then at George Square, whether that would have made a difference, I highly doubt it. But um, whether a bigger police presence would only have shifted it elsewhere as well. I, I just wonder how on earth you could have stopped it, you could have held this back. It's such a difficult one. But, but, but Scott, do, do you think uh, the First Minister's serious here, uh, that she could pull the plug in the old firm games? Um, I, I think she's serious where can I suddenly veil threat. Fraser, do I think it will happen? No, I think the games will probably will probably go ahead. I think it's a kind of warning to to supporters and then that it's it's misbehaving that she's obviously got the, the, the power and the authority to do that. But I, no, I still expect the games to go ahead. I agree with Andy. I don't think there's as much well there's not as much riding on the games now, so no, it won't be quite as, as volatile as it as it might have been in terms of maybe punters gathering outside. Um listen I, I agree with both of you. Just as you say, there, Fraser. I mean, I'm not sure what the solution would have been. We've been talking about you no know, unique circumstances and unprecedented situations for a year now with this COVID thing. I mean, this is just yet another example. I mean, how are we ever going to stop that from happening? Of course, you don't agree with it, you don't condone it, 
but at the same time you understand it and you knew that that, that something like this was going to was going to happen. Whether it was Rangers stopping ten in a row and getting that that first title in a decade, or whether it was Celtic going to get the the ten. I mean, Celtic fans have already been out. Uh, no one kind of large gatherings this season for the Scottish Cup final, or even you know, the the protest before that over at, at Celtic Park when they weren't happy. So, uh, no, if they'd get ten in a row, I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean, you can't say for certain, but I'm pretty sure they would they would have seen similar similar types of similar types of celebration. So, very difficult. To, to stop I, where I do agree with Andy is I mean how the, the authorities whether it be the government or the police you know, weren't expecting this or didn't know something was going to happen it's incredible I mean you spend 10 minutes on, on Twitter and you would have known about you know, people organising uh, celebrations you, and you gatherings saw these things and you saw these things outside Anfield when Liverpool were in the league of course yeah, Rangers fans exactly. were going to react the same exactly. and you know rightly or wrongly it was always going to happen and I just don't understand why there wasn't greater precautions taking place. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I understand the police will will say that they don't want to sort of wade into a volatile situation and start making arrests because that you know poses the risk of escalating the situation. I can understand that, but you know, I think you could have shut off streets. I think you could have stopped fans getting to Ibrox. And if you, I know what you're saying, Fraser, does that shift the problem elsewhere? But I don't think you're going to get 8,000 punters all going to the same place at the same time. Yeah. If it breaks up into smaller, smaller, manageable situations, then surely that's easier to manage than having five, 6,000 people all in the same place at the same time amid a pandemic when we're, we're supposed to be staying indoors. I mean, um, I just think this could have been better handled all round. I, I, I think certainly uh, better precautions from a policing point of view certainly could have, be, could have been put in place. Yeah, and I think we will see that should the game go ahead in, in a week and a half's time. But I suppose you can also only appeal to people's common sense to, to maybe rein it in as hard as it might be. But uh, that, time's up, lads. Time's up. Thanks very much for joining us on this no special problem. Ranger, Record Rangers podcast. Uh, don't forget, you can catch up with all the latest. You can follow the latest in a live blog for tomorrow's Slavia Prague Rangers Europa League tie. And we'll have all the, the best reaction to that on dailyrecord.co.uk. But for now, thanks very much to Scott and Andy for joining us. And we'll see you again next week. <laughs>